TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. Welcome to Overnight America. Brad Young sitting in for the vacationing Ryan Recker. Thanks for staying up late with us this evening. We've got an action-packed, fun-filled evening. You're going to want to you know, phone the kids and wake the neighbors. We've got lots on tap for this evening, uh, so you're going to want to stick around. In fact, I think it's interesting. You just heard from Megan Lynch, and we were chatting during the break that uh, it's Saluki night here since uh, we both graduated from Carbondale. So it's Saluki night on KMOX. Hey, you know, I'm normally here uh, as the legal analyst, uh, but uh, I'm also a fill-in host, so we will be touching on some legal topics this evening, but certainly not focusing on that exclusively. But if you want to send me an email at any given time, I get lots of emails every time I fill in, and I always respond. Love hearing from listeners. My email address is my law firm, Harris, Dowell, Fisher, and Young, my email address is bjoung at harrisdowell.com, H-A-R-R-I-S-D as in David, O-W-E-L-L.com. Love hearing from listeners even during the show, so feel free to email me at any time. Some of the breaking news that you've heard, Megan, and also uh, at the top of the hour, CBS News mentioned that the, the president signed the COVID relief bill late last night. Uh, is that a good thing or a bad thing? We're going to be getting into that as the evening unfolds. You may have been counting on a relief check, and of course, if that's the case for you, that's good news. Uh, but it does bother me, and maybe it bothers you, that a companion bill that was passed at the same time, signed at the same time, gives literally billions and billions of dollars in foreign aid to other countries, and yet, you know, Americans, you and I, we're only going to get checks for 600 bucks. So is that a problem for you? And we're going to break that down as the show unfolds. And uh, also uh, the defense bill, the House voted just about an hour ago, maybe two hours ago, to overturn President Trump's veto of this gargantuan annual defense authorization bill. Now, the vote was 322 to 87, and I anticipate the Senate will also vote to override President Trump's veto. And if that's the case... This will be just the first veto override during Trump's administration. So that'll be something uh, that hasn't happened in the last four years. But, you know, this bill, this bill is of particular interest to folks right here in the St. Louis area. 
because contained within that bill, that defense authorization bill, is a lot of funding for stuff that gets made right here in St. Louis, predominantly at Boeing in North County. And in addition to the normal things that are being funded, like the the MQ-25, we've got lots of, uh, of jet aircraft that are rolling off the assembly line. But within that defense bill, there's an additional 24 F-18s. Now, each one of those F-18s, uh, jet fighters, those are the jets that take off of aircraft carriers. Those are also the jets that we're trying to sell to Switzerland, Canada, Finland, Germany, uh, India, and a few other countries that don't immediately come to mind. But uh, those jets cost about, give or take, $80 million bucks a piece. And that's all money that comes right here to St. Louis, every one of those that rolls off the assembly line. I personally know dozens of people that work at Boeing, and, and I'm so interested in their stuff. They're always telling me, Brad, you should come work at Boeing. Um, but I'm having too much fun working at Camel X as my second job, so I, I don't think I need a third job in addition to my law practice. But nevertheless, 24 F-18s and an additional 12 F-15EXs. Those are the brand-new F-15s uh, that the government it may end up buying about 250 of them uh, uh, over the next 20 years. And so that funding directly impacts folks right here in St. Louis. Some of the other things we're going to talk about as the evening unfolds, uh, just kind of touching on what we'll be discussing uh, during the evening. Last week, the Post-Dispatch ran an editorial arguing that Missouri should legalize recreational marijuana. Now, we did legalize medical marijuana, as you well know, and those sales should be starting sometime very soon. But should we legalize recreational marijuana? Illinois has. Everybody knows Colorado has. Lots of other states have. Should we follow in their footsteps? So I'll go through what the Post-Dispatch has to say, throw in my two cents worth, and then I want to hear from you as well on that topic. And, and on that topic, I'm a conservative. I don't hide from that. But it's interesting that I've got some libertarian friends of mine, and my theory has always been, and, you know, maybe there's a, an example where this isn't the case, but by and large, I always find libertarians to be conservatives that just want to smoke weed. You know, so then they can call themselves libertarians because they want to legalize marijuana. But generally, they're kind of on the conservative side. But uh, maybe that's not always the case. And the other story we're going to get to in Pennsylvania, a cheerleader failed to make her high school varsity cheerleading team over the weekend. She sent out a Snapchat message with her personal phone using the F word to describe their cheerleading squad. Well, now she's being punished by the school for exercising her First Amendment right of free speech over the weekend with her own phone. And this case may be going to the Supreme Court. So I'll break that down for you also this evening. But coming up after this break, we're going to look back at the 2020 financial situation for the St. Louis area. We're going to talk to Dave Nicholas. David Nicholas, he's the financial reporter for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. Brad Young sitting in for Ryan Recker on Overnight America KMOX. Listening to KMOX has never been easier. Siri, play KMOX. Welcome back to Overnight America. Brad Young sitting in for Ryan Recker. And, uh, you know, this year has been a year like none other. 
in so many ways. And I don't know of anyone who is going to miss 2020. But in order to get a, a, get a, a handle on the financial situation in the St. Louis area, I wanted to go uh, to my friend at the Post-Dispatch, David Nicholas. He's the financial reporter for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. David Nicholas, thanks for joining us this evening on KMOX. Hey, it's my pleasure, Brad. It's good, great to talk to you again. Uh, one of the things, and I read your column, every column that you have in the Post-Dispatch, I read it regularly, and uh, in your column before last, you were talking about job losses that we've experienced this year and kind of the boomerang effect when it comes to the to the local job market. What kind of job losses did we initially experience during that first shock in, in March and April? Well, in yeah, in March and April, we lost roughly 150,000 jobs, which is, uh, you know, more than is roughly 10 percent of the of the, the jobs in, uh, you know, in the St. Louis area just just vanished, you know, some temporarily and some permanently. Now, in the uh, in the months since then, we've gained back a lot of those jobs, but we're still down about 68,000, which is, uh, you know, which is a lot. I mean, it's, uh, you know, this is uh, kind of worse worse damage than we than we faced after the Great Recession in 2009. Yeah, I was trying to think. I can't think of a time, at least in, in my lifetime, where we've had such a rapid job loss. And, I, I you know, the term has been thrown around a V-shaped recovery, and we know that's not happening. Yeah, no. That's no. not happening at all. But but have you ever seen or experienced this such a rapid job loss followed by at least a rapid, uh, you know, semi-recovery in such a short period of time? No, this is uh, this is unprecedented. I mean, you know, and, and it's you know what's happened in St. Louis has happened across the country. You know, worse in in some places uh, that were heavily tourism dependent. You know, a, a Las Vegas or an Orlando market uh, were you know re- really hit hard and and haven't you know have come back to even lesser degree than we have. Well, and that raises certainly there's a lot of tourism in some areas, and tourism areas are are still struggling, obviously. But looking here in the St. Louis region, uh, I know a lot of white collar workers and and workers who primarily use computers, and you know they were able to work from home and and for the most part ride this out. But that's certainly not an option for manufacturing and and blue collar workers in our area, is it? No, it's no, it's not. And you know, manufacturing. Uh dropped off sharply in the spring has come back pretty good it's still down uh, you know a, a, a few thousand jobs uh, but those those will probably come back if the economy continues to improve um, I mean a lot of those were you know plants had to shut down temporarily just because they didn't know how to cope with the virus the real uh, the, the real toll the, the worst toll here has been in kind of restaurants hotels, mm-hmm. The uh, you know the leisure and hospitality industries, um, uh, theaters, you know, stadium, you know, uh, places like that. The jobs uh, just aren't aren't there at all right now. That's uh, you know, and and those, for the most part, you know, working class people, uh, not high paying jobs to start with. Um, people who you know, didn't have that much of a cushion, so that it's uh, it's really created a lot of hardship. Yeah, I, in my law practice, David, I represent several hotel chains, and they all tell me basically mm-hmm. the same thing, that, you know, they've got no business. And so when they've got right. no business, they just lay people off. And those people 
tend to be uh, the, the, the most affected in this type of a layoff because they can't work from home. They can't log in on no. a computer. You know, they've got to be there, and, and they're being hit the hardest. Right, right. You can't, you can't serve food from home or, or clean a hotel room from home. That's, nope. uh, you just can't uh, do that. <laughs> Uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about, too, and, of course, we're talking to David Nicholas, the financial reporter for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, <laughs> and appreciate you joining us this evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, how long do you think it's going to take the St. Louis region to fully recover from this pandemic-related recession? Uh, well, I talked to one one economist who's uh, you know, kind of modeled it out, and uh, he, he says uh, probably early 2024, which, uh, you know, so we've you know uh, three three more more than three years from now to uh, to get back all of mm-hmm. all of those jobs we lost get back to the kind of economy we had in sort of February of 2020. Well, how does that compare, David, with with forecasts nationally in terms of how the how nationally how long is it going to take for us to get back? How do we compare to the country as a whole? Uh, you know, uh, yeah, the, the forecast is uh, St. Louis will come back a little more slowly than you know the, the national average. Not a lot, though. I mean, it's uh, it's it's going to be a, a a slow recovery everywhere. I mean, these you know these industries that were were heavily affected. I mean, you know, as uh, you, you could probably walk down the streets of downtown St. Louis and pass several restaurants that have closed permanently, mm-hmm. um, and th- those you know. I mean, Sure, over time, maybe somebody else will buy those properties, open a new restaurant, but that that takes a long time to uh, you know to recover after after such uh, such heavy damage. And there've been a lot of bankruptcies in the hotel industry, in the um, in the retail industry, certainly. Yeah, and I think that those bankruptcies are, are going to continue into 2021. Uh, uh, Ian Frobe, who writes yeah. obviously for the Post Dispatch, he chronicled last week. 50 major yeah. restaurants in St. Louis that have closed permanently. I'm not, I'm not talking about right. just small, maybe mom and pop, but, but major restaurants that have closed right. permanently, right. at least 50. And of course, well, if you count all of them, it would be much higher. Oh yeah. Those, those, yeah, those are the well-known ones. And he was, I believe he, Ian was only talking about locally owned places that, you know, there are also uh, some chain restaurants that have, that have gone out. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, that's, you know that's that's a lot of jobs. You multiply that times, you know, I don't know, thirty, twenty, thirty uh, employees per restaurant. Maybe you know, maybe fifty or more at the larger ones. Um, that's that's a lot of jobs, and those are those those are gone. They're, you know. Those are gone. We're we're talking to David Nicholas, the financial reporter for the St. Louis Post Dispatch, and and I checked today the Missouri unemployment rate for November. Uh-huh was very low at 4.4%. But, David, we both know that that doesn't even begin to tell the entire story. Uh, when people drop out of the job market, are those numbers captured in the unemployment rate? No, no, they're not. And that's been a, a big phenomenon this year. Uh, and, and we used to, you know, economists usually call those discouraged workers, you know, kind of implying that they dropped out of the job market because there weren't jobs to be found. This year, it's more complicated. Um, jobs are hard to find if, you're, if your skills are in an industry like you know, restaurants or hotels. But also, people have had to leave the workforce to, uh, because of uh, child care issues. Their kids were sent home from school. 
and, uh, the, and the, they're they're doing virtual school. They they needed a parent home with them, um, so that that caused uh, caused a lot of uh, you know a lot of uh, people to just just give up the, the you know. The, the jobs they had, whether part-time or full-time. And, and, and uh, that's not really and, something, David, that we've seen before. You know, in past recessions, no. there's always been still child care available. So if there were jobs available, the mom or the dad or the, whoever the parents might be could go out and get jobs if they were available. But now in this situation, which I've never seen before, even if someone no. wants to work because the schools are closed, those one or both parents may have to stay at home. Yeah, that, that's that's right. And, you know, and other people, older workers mostly, but uh, uh, have just uh, decided that, you know, hey, I had a job uh, before this. I wasn't planning to retire, but, boy, I sure don't, you know, I sure don't want to have to go into that that uh, store or wherever I worked before and be exp- potentially exposed to the coronavirus. So that, you know, that's yet, a, yet another reason for the, uh, you know, the, the, the you know un, yeah unprecedented uh, you know kind of reduction in the workforce it's just you know unprecedented and unique and and uh, David if you could stick through we're going to take a break here in just a few minutes if you could stick around just through the bottom of the half of the hour I've got a few more sure. questions for you but to wrap up this particular segment has the housing market been a welcomed bright spot in an otherwise disastrous year <laughs> the housing market has been a bright spot I mean uh, you know. Construction of new homes has uh, has continued, uh, you know, on the pace it was before, uh, and, and actually construction is one of the few industries where really employment hasn't hasn't fallen. Um, also, uh, housing prices have risen. I, I looked back at the uh, kind of an index that the federal government keeps of housing prices for the St. Louis area. Uh, they're up eight percent in the past year. I had to go back to the Oh, the 1970s to find a you know a, a period when they were increasing that fast. Well, I know that uh, friends of mine who are realtors have told me that they're uh, you know they're busier than mosquitoes in a nudist colony right now because <laughs> they're just trying to sell how they're selling houses. People want to buy houses. The right. the, the demand is high. The supply is low, and right. uh, and housing starts have been have been moving along. So yeah, in an otherwise gloomy despicable disastrous year uh housing has been rather bright yeah I, i've heard several theories on that one is that uh well, people are spending so much more time at home uh you know at least those who still have jobs and are you know and are uh, are working from home they uh they they decide they if they were renting they decided they wanted to buy a place where maybe they could have a dedicated room as a, as a home office or if they had a you know had a smaller uh, home and they were working from home. They wanted to uh, to to upgrade to someplace bigger where they'd have you know more space for the kids to do virtual school and the uh, the, the mom or dad to do uh, remote work. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're talking to David Nicholas, the financial uh, reporter for the St. Louis Post Dispatch. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, I'm going to ask David. We've been looking backwards. Well, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. But we're going to ask him to get out his crystal ball and look forward into the future about how we're going to be doing right here in the St. Louis region in the coming months and years. Brad Young filling in for Ryan Recker on Overnight America on KMOX. News Radio 1120 KMOX, the voice of the Cardinals.
Welcome back to Overnight America. You need to buckle up for the rest of this show because we're talking to David Nicholas, the financial reporter at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. And we're going to be talking to David now about looking forward into the months and years to come here for the St. Louis region. David, thanks for sticking around with us through the break. Sure thing, Brad. Yeah, no, this is this is a good discussion. Good. You know, economists use the term pent-up demand. Now, I'm not an economist, but I've heard them use that phrase. But what does that mean, and how do you think this will come into play over the next few months and maybe even into the middle of the year? Well, I, oh, I think that pent-up demand is real. I mean, uh, a, a comparison might be, you know, the, the period after World War II when, when uh, Americans had— uh, had to endure rationing and, uh, you know, shortages of, of consumer goods. They, there wasn't a lot to spend uh, their money on because everything was going toward the, the war effort. Then, you know, then all of a sudden the sacrifices came to an end and we had a boom in, in housing and, in, you know, in, in, in consumer retail and, and in, in a lot of things. Um, that, that, that certainly exists here, but it's going to be a while before we can release that pent-up demand. I think the first the, the first six months of uh, 2021, in particular, are going to still be pretty sluggish. Uh, you know, um, you, you, consumers are not going to feel comfortable going out to eat again, and, and you know, things like ball games and, and, and theater will still be you know considered you know pretty pretty risky until we until we get to the point where you know most of the population is vaccinated. Yeah, the term that I've heard, David, is the is the herd uh, immunity. When we reach that herd immunity, when most people are either have recovered from COVID or have been vaccinated, at that point, you know, uh, Katie bar the door. Hopefully, this pent up demand will then be released and people can start going to games again. You know, I've got new season tickets this oh. year. I had new season tickets at Bush Stadium. <laughs> couldn't use a one of them, you know, so I've got pent up yeah. demand. I'm dying for the hot dog nachos and Cardinals. And so that yeah. to me is what pent up demand is. Uh, I, you know, I would, uh, I, I might sacrifice a toe to see a Cardinals game because <laughs> I'm so excited to see them. So, yeah. Yeah. But, but, but you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't risk your life. No, is, I you wouldn't know, risk my uh, life yeah, for that. Yeah. Which is, you know, kind Maybe of what, a toe. What, <laughs> uh, we, you know, which is it's going to be holding. That's going to be holding people back. It's uh, it you will. Know. But it, you it, know, once once you know, once you have the vaccine, you'll you'll feel you know safer going out and doing things. And once uh, once a large numbers of of people have the vaccine, you'll be you'll be able to start having those those games, those uh, theater performances, and mm-hmm. so on again. Uh, I mean, I you know. I'm saying, you know, maybe by about the middle of the year, say July 1st, we we might start doing those things and, you know, on a fairly regular basis again. Very good. Um, and then then I, then I think you'll see you'll start to see a, you know, a better a better pickup in the job market and some of those discouraged workers uh, you know, starting starting to return. Um and I think you'll see probably the housing market stay strong through through the year, I, I don't really see anything uh, getting in the way of that. Interest rates are certainly going to stay low. Yeah, they're not. Interest, interest rates aren't staying. going anywhere for a long yeah. time. Yep. Uh, so-called brick-and-mortar stores, David, were already 
struggling before COVID, and certainly COVID has accelerated the troubles for traditional yeah. retail businesses. So do you see COVID as having a temporary or elastic effect on the traditional retail market? Oh, I, I think the traditional retail market is going to, you know, continue to uh, to have to evolve. Uh, you, you you had uh, you had a, a lot of uh, chains were you know were in trouble before COVID, as you said, and uh, the, the department stores, uh, for instance, were just on a long term decline. On online shopping, uh, people have gotten a, a taste for online shopping. People who might not have ever thought about ordering from Amazon before are, are, are doing it now because of the pandemic, and they'll, they'll probably continue uh, doing a lot of their shopping that way. So I, I, I think we'll probably continue to see a, a shakeout in the, you know, in the, the number of stores and, uh, you know, shopping malls will be, you know, will be under pressure. We're, we're talking to uh, David Nicholas, financial reporter for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, and in your column yesterday, you mentioned uh, Greater St. Louis, Inc., they have a plan called the STL 2030 Jobs Plan. First of all, in case folks don't know what that even is, what is Greater St. Louis, Inc.? Okay, that is a a, a, organiz- a newly formed organization. It actually doesn't officially exist until January 1st. Uh, it was formed by the merger of five uh, organizations here, including Civic Progress and the St. Louis Regional Chamber. Um, sort of five private sector uh, organizations with an economic focus decided that they were better off, you know, together rather than uh, working separately, uh, even though you know toward common aims. So we'll have we have that uh, organization in place on January first, and they uh, they just released a draft of their uh, 2030 jobs plan for the region. It uh, it involves uh, you know. Some some pretty ambitious things, um, including. Uh, well, let me stop you there because yeah. I, I also reviewed it. Let me ask you a couple of questions about it. I okay. looked over the the draft of the plan, and and I found it interesting. First of all, the beginning of this draft plan from Greater St. Louis Inc. It uh, uncharacteristically highlighted some of the weaknesses of our area. You know, political fragmentation, yeah. Yeah. racial division, and slow population growth. But then it kind of transitioned. The report did to focus on emphasizing the business sectors where St. Louis has a true competitive advantage. What are those business sectors, David, that where St. Louis really has an advantage over the nation? Well, yeah, those are those are areas like ag- agribusiness, um, medical, uh, you know, healthcare services, and, he- and medical technology, um, advanced manufacturing. You know, in in uh, you know in, in Industries like aerospace and uh, in uh, logistics and distribution, just largely because of our, our central location, um, it's a you know, it's a it's a very desirable spot to to uh, you know have a, you know a, a transportation hub to serve a large chunk of the country. Well, yeah, but we have this just thriving agribusiness sector here in yes. St. Louis, and people. Uh, unfortunately, aren't really aware of it. It's not sexy like, you know, when yeah. Anheuser-Busch was based here. I mean, that, you know, that's pretty sexy, yeah. right? But but right. we've got a large, thriving agribusiness in addition to aerospace, auto manufacturing, logistics. So mm-hmm. are these the type mm-hmm. of areas where St. Louis, Greater St. Louis, Inc. wants to focus in terms of regional job growth? 
Yes, absolutely. Those, those are all industries that are, you know, A, are, are, are growing, you know, demand for all of those products and services is, is, is growing nationally. And uh, there, there, should, there should be job growth. And the thinking is if St. Louis uh, really uh, uh, sells itself well and gets its act together, it can get more than its share of, uh, of, of the growth in those industries. And uh, and and what play or what part rather, David Nicholas? What part does entrepreneurship play in this, particularly in uh, during this year of everything being down? How does entrepreneurship, do you think, factor into our job growth aspects for the next twelve months? Well, I, I, yeah, that is a big theme of of the uh, STL twenty thirty jobs plan, and it is uh, you know it is something that has been kind of quietly going on in St. Louis for about a, about a decade. We've had a, a real surge in entrepreneurship in, uh, you know, in, in some of those industries we, we mentioned, including uh, healthcare and including agribusiness, um, and also in, uh, you know, sort of uh, computer technology. There have been a, you know, been a lot of firms, and some of them are now getting to the point where they're, uh, they're having a, a fair degree of success. Uh, Benson Hill which is a, a an ag firm out in out in Creve Corps. They you know they've got sort of a a new generation of uh, of uh, soybean seeds coming out, and they are, do research on other plants as as well. Um, they, they're very successful. They have uh, I, I believe several hundred you know, two or three hundred employees out there. They just built a new headquarters building. Um, we're we're, we're, we're Starting to see some of these, uh, you know, so, some success stories out of uh, the, the the last sort of ten years of groundwork that's 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 been laid here. So, bottom line, as we wrap up our conversation, David Nicholas, bottom line, as you look forward the next six to twelve months, are you uh, cautiously optimistic? I I am optimistic, although I think you're gonna. If you said six months, I would say don't expect a lot. But uh, the, you know, the second half of next year, uh, things things should start to get noticeably better, and we we will we will see some growth. We'll start to repair the damage that was done in 2020. Very good, David Nicholas, financial reporter for the St. Louis Post Dispatch. Thank you for spending uh, a good 30 minutes with us this evening. Appreciate it. It's been fun, Brad. Thanks. Thank you, sir. Can't wait to talk to you again. Brad Young filling in for Ryan Recker. When we come back, we're going to hit some more of the stories of the day and take your phone calls. What's on your mind? 314-436-7900 on Overnight America KMOX. Now back to Overnight America on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michaelsflooringoutlet.com. Welcome back to Overnight America. Brad Young sitting in for the vacationing Ryan Recker, who should be back next week. Uh, Lord willing and the crick don't rise, as the saying goes. I'll be sitting in again with you on Wednesday night, so uh, make sure you stick around this week. Uh, We talked to David Nicholas about economic issues, uh, but really economics are all philosophy. How are you doing economically? Are you struggling? Are you a business owner that, that is looking for... Uh, this uh, the, the COVID bill that just got signed into law late last night. Is this something that's going to keep you afloat either from a what's called the PPP loans or uh, rather uh, the, the direct payments to employees? If you're a restaurant owner, how are you doing? 
or if you know someone who's either been laid off or you're struggling to make these payments and struggling to to fight the eviction of a of out of your uh, rental apartment or your rental house, how are you doing? Because economics is is twofold. First of all, like I said, it's f- philosophical. We can talk about pent-up demand. We can talk about labor trends and and whether someone is a discouraged worker or unemployment rates. But really, all of those things are meaningless if you are unemployed. All of those things are meaningless if you can't pay the rent. Those are just concepts. So how are you doing right now? Give us a call, 314-436-7900. One of the things that the House did today is to pass a bill to increase the COVID-19 relief checks from $600 to $2,000 a piece. And, you know, a lot of times politics makes for such interesting bedfellows. It truly does. Because one of the initial sponsors of this, there was previous legislation that was filed in the the Senate uh, about a week to 10 days ago. And it was sponsored by Missouri Republican Josh Hawley, working in conjunction with Vermont socialist Bernie Sanders. And they were both on the same side on that. And uh, and some of my Republican and some of my Democrat friends, we've been arguing about this for the past week because, frankly, I just love to argue. Let's be real, okay? But seriously, one of the things that has struck me is that the uh, it's just outlandish to me that this COVID relief bill was passed in conjunction with a an omnibus spending bill at the end of the year. And located within and contained within that omnibus spending bill is billions of dollars for foreign countries. Now, I understand, I understand that foreign aid is, is necessary. But when you're looking at helping out Americans or sending $135 million to Burma, to me, that's an easy call. I want to help Americans before I send checks to Burma. And before I send $85 million to Cambodia or $1.4 billion to the Asia Reassurance Initiative Act, these are all things that are in the omnibus bill. Why can't we help Americans first? Now, I'm not trying to take Trump's campaign line from four years ago. I'm just talking common sense. We send so much money overseas to countries that really don't give a hoot about us. One of the countries, and I've got this entire list here in front of me, is we're sending millions of dollars to Pakistan. Now, does Pakistan care about the United States? Pakistan was a country that was hiding Osama bin Laden and not telling us about it when their country knew full and well where he was for years. So that's the problem that I have. Not can we afford to increase the benefits from $600 to 2000 but if it's truly an economic issue, then we have to prioritize. And if we have to prioritize our spending, I would rather help out my fellow neighbors, friends, and loved ones with our hard-earned tax dollars rather than uh, uh, sending $250 million to the Palestinian Liberation Authority. I, I just would rather do that 
And I, I would challenge anyone to tell me how sending $10 million to gender programs in Pakistan is more important than helping out our fellow Americans. I defy you to argue that because anyone should want to help out Americans first. Jimmy's been holding for a while. Hey, Jimmy, welcome to KMOX. How are you doing, young man? I'm doing well, sir. What's on your mind? May I ask you a question? Well, How young are you? How young am I? Well, I'm first and foremost, I'm young in name as Brad Young. So in one respect, I'll always be young. But if you want to talk about from a temporal perspective, I'm 55. Oh, good. Okay, so I got a few years on you, about 17. Okay. Let me just let me explain something. Okay. In 1975, 74, my rent for a two bedroom apartment was $150 a month. My gas was $25. My electric was 25. My phone was 25. At that time in life, a quarter of your of your of your income went to rent and that. Another quarter went to groceries and that. Another quarter went to other things, and then you could save 25 percent. And things were affordable. Now, what happened? People don't know this. Reagan was a great president. He accidentally made one little mistake. He deregulated too much. And when he deregulated too much, I'm not talking about Trump. I'm talking about Reagan. Yep. When he deregulated, he allowed uh, corporate rating with the stock market and everything. And then companies started buying everybody out. And then we lost, we lost TWA because of air traffic controller strike. Now, where I'm coming from on all this conversation is that things are over five times as high as the 70s. Mm-hmm. And my point I'm trying to make is that we created debt by making prices higher, wages lower. That creates debt. In the old days, when prices went up, wages went up. So it was, just an inflate, it was just inflated. That's all. So my point I'm trying to make is that our politicians are not our they are not our representatives no more in our lives. And, my, my, and I messed up. It was my generation that messed up and put them in power. And they've gotten so powerful, they don't care about the human being. They're eating their steaks. They're wearing their tuxedos. They're driving in their limos. And I drove in a limo. All I want to be able to do is rent the limo, okay? I don't want to own it. <laughs> okay, I'm not trying to be a rich guy. But I want to enjoy my life. And I'll work every day, and I'll be respectful to everybody. I don't care who you are. If you're disrespectful to me, I'll be disrespectful. I'll just walk away from you. But the point I'm trying to make is that people just don't understand. And until the younger generation steps up and understands that they are, they are paying them and throw them out. And how we throw them out is to start another party. And the party's got to be the people's party. And Trump should be the leader of it because he's got 74 million people behind him and get rid of all the congressmen, all of them. And they get eight years. That's it. And then they come back to the farm and they work. And I want to give you I want to say one thing. Thank you for letting me speak my piece. Well, you're you're right, Jimmy. And and in fact, that was the initial concept. If you look at the Federalist Papers uh, that were written in conjunction with the drafting of our Constitution, those documents intimated that. That we should have, uh, we should have citizen politicians, those who are working, who go to 
Washington, and then at the time it was New York, but go to the Capitol, work for a few years, and then return back to civilian life. But we now have professional politicians. That is correct. We have those professional politicians, and it's different. One thing, Jimmy, when you were talking, I wanted to, to give you a great example of what you were talking about. When I was a kid, you know, my dad, again, my dad was born in the 20s, and he passed away about 20 years ago. And when he bought his first house in the early 50s, he paid $5,000 for that house. But he was earning just a little under $5,000. So his yearly income was about the cost of his first house. When I got my first job, I was making $20,000 a year, but my first house cost a hundred. And so and even since then, that disparity has even grown where it makes it harder and harder for folks who are just making minimum wage or making regular blue-collar salaries. It makes it harder and harder to, to keep the status quo because property and goods are increasing faster than the weight of rage, rate of wages. And, and may I interrupt one second? Quickly, because we're running out about. of time. Okay, that's what it's all about. Yep. And you're a very smart man. you got a very good program. And thanks for giving me the opportunity to speak my mind. Jimmy, thanks for calling in this evening. Appreciate it. Love to hear your opinions. When we come back, we're going to have an interview about 9.15, but we're also going to be talking about some more news of the day. If something's on your mind, feel free to give us a call. 314-436-7900. Brad Young sitting in for Ryan Recker on Overnight America on KMOX. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.